0: When I think about great video games, one series that always comes to mind is the Jack and Daxter series. I don't know what it was about that series that truly resonated with me, but ever since I played the first game, I've just fallen in love with it. Entire series is, in my opinion, excellent. Now, keep in mind, I I did not play The Lost Frontier, so I'm not really sure how that plays into things. But I did play Daxter on the PSP, and while not quite as, uh, I guess, fleshed out. As the Jack series. It was a nice addition and a great spin off title. And I think it did the series proud. I even really enjoyed Jack X, the racing title, finding it uh, not quite as fun multiplayer wise, but an excellent first person experience. Uh, bringing the Jack storytelling flair that I've come to love from the story and all of the series, really. Now, one of the reasons I think I like the games so much is one, they're memorable. They strove to provide iconic characters recognizable locations but a relatively straightforward plot in terms of goals achievements and gameplay so you weren't too confused as to what you were trying to do in terms of playing the game and the story just sort of came along much like a movie Naughty Dog would sort of continue that trend in later games, such as Uncharted and Last of Us, which really showcased their movie-like experience. But I think that started back in the Jack and Daxter series. While the first game didn't quite have that movie quality that the second and the third game, and even X and Daxter proceeded to to bring to the game series. The first one did introduce the characters, and introduced a vibrant world with unknowns to explore. The concept of precursors, setting up the ancient structures of the world. Long-forgotten technologies litter the landscape and do unknown Thing, sometimes fantastic and sometimes dangerous. It's a great backstory for the realm. Then they provided Eco, which at the time when the video games came out was, uh, I guess, almost a, a trope. But it worked, and I think it didn't feel too extraneous to the world, like some collectibles do in games. For example, collecting random coins and various other sorts of things around in games, while enjoyable, satisfying, and in some cases, actually very addictive, does not tend to lead to realism. So, the platformers always, I think, suffered that lack of realism. And I feel that, in addition to maybe games like Ratchet and Clank, the Jack and Daxter series really changed the formula up a little bit and gave it an element of storytelling that facilitated believability It allowed you to just d- sort of dispel any of the, the questions you might have as to why there are orbs littering this world to be picked up. Yuziko is the magical energy of this world. So it does seep out, in some cases, like oil you see most common with the black Eco, which you will find in various games and hits much like crude or tailings bonds and it's it feels very industrial when you look at the the mine shafts next to pits of dark ego it feels believable and realistic and even in the beginning, in the very first game, Daxter isn't the furry, lovable creature we know him as. He's kind of an odd-looking fellow, uh, much like Jack. And he just happens to fall in to a vat of this dark ego, which turns him into the ocelot character that we do know. And I find this type of collectible, this trait that Naughty Dog decided to, to add to the world and to their game, really did, in my mind, take it from what could have been maybe just a mediocre first release to one of the best platformers on the consoles. Or on the. On, at least the PlayStation 2 console. Because the element of storytelling really started to expand in that time period. Naughty Dog was one of the champions of it. And in Jack and Daxter, Jack 2 and Jack 3, it really showcased not just good gameplay mechanics, an awareness of developing trends and changes in the, the gaming space for between the first and the second game, they, they completely overhauled the game mechanics. The first game feels like, like it still has its roots in its early PlayStation counterparts, like Spyro and Mario 64, and, and those kinds of early platformers that kind of set the stage for the 3D environments and 3D worlds and especially collectible games. And it started to move beyond that. It was still a platformer. It gave you the ability to still jump around. You still had to time your jumps, you still had to make sure that you lined them up, grabbed onto things. But they started to expand in Jack 2, incorporating open world concepts things that had been gleaned from games such as Grand Theft Auto and it was interesting to see a combination of platformer and open world GTA come together because it really really worked other games I think took note Many games like after the Jack and Daxter series started to kind of combine those elements. But prior to the really Jack 2, did those elements come together? Because even in GTA, you didn't have platforming elements. That wasn't part of the gameplay. You might run around, shoot people, get into fights, Explore and find things, collect money. You certainly weren't going into areas, platforming levels, and having to figure out puzzles, clear traps, um, take out a few enemies along the way, and then uh, collect items while... Um, fulfilling elements of the story and the plot. I feel like the gameplay that Naughty Dog brought to the table with Jack 2 was something of a a game changer. They they pushed the scales. They, they, They set a new bar that needed to be reached and lots of Game companies took note and started to, to act on it. Naughty Dog continued to push forward, obviously, advancing and always being a leader of the pack. But with the Jag series, they really did define a whole class of gaming. The expansive platformer. And not just did they provide an element of gameplay, they introduced characters that were really memorable. And I think part of the reason that these characters are so memorable and why maybe not certain older generations of characters would be quite similar is mainly because in that generation, voice actors entered the the scene the first time really strongly. You could afford to get high quality, good voice acting in and actually convey the the emotions that the scenes were meant to have. And not just that, but they actually hired professional voice actors. They didn't skimp and I think that added to the quality of the final product so when they released it and you're playing this at least in my my experience it felt like playing not quite a, a movie felt like kind of being especially as a kid when I played it It felt like you were in your own television cartoon, because cartoons are very popular with kids, and it kind of felt like you were in, like, a season or a show of a cartoon. You had these uh, little episodes. In other words, each mission was essentially equivalent to an episode of a television series where you had to go and do something. It usually opened up with an opening scene that would set the stage. Then you would get to the, the level. You'd go through the level. Then there'd be an, a middle scene where there would either be um, extra exposition or there would be um, the main problem or uh, potentially an inflection point where the, the momentum would change a little bit, and then you would follow out that that transition point through the end of the scene, or the episode, and then it would usually close out nicely with another scene, um, in cut cutscene. And so you'd get these sort of episodic experiences that would neatly fade from one another. Because then you would normally have to go GTA style from wherever you finished your last job to the next job. And this provided you a little bit of rest it gave you some times to look around, do some of the side quests and little mini games and at the same time it also gave you uh, a chance to just recuperate and get your bearings. So All in all, it it really did feel like you were in this sort of mini-cartoon of sorts, and I really wish more games would do that. I, I feel like that formula is a winner, especially with the technologies that we have today, the graphic capabilities rather than focusing so much on really, really good graphics, let's just focus on a couple years ago, don't worry too much, because a couple years ago it looked fantastic anyways. Go for more of a cartoony vibe that will help it age well, and if we could just get back to this episodic feeling of, of small little stories with overarching, grander stories, much like television... I feel like there's something there. I would subscribe to us, uh, some sort of mail or subscription service where you would get episodes of games done that way. You know? That seems like... A possible service that I would enjoy if it was well done. If the, the stories were well done, they were rewarding. There was a world that you could explore in between episodes. The it, everything felt cohesive, well directed and curated. That would be a service I would highly, highly enjoy and gladly pay for. And when I think about a lot of the old games... They either provided large overarching epic sagas... Which wouldn't necessarily be easy to do... But you could you know, potentially break it up... Or they provided these nice episodic adventures... And those episodic adventures as I get older... Are still consumable. You can still throw on a game of Jack and just play, you know, maybe an hour or so and make a little bit of progress and feel like I've done something. As I get older, even though I love games like Final Fantasy, Star Ocean, and uh, Xeno Saga, they take a lot of time. They're an investment and it's hard to sometimes pick them back up after long breaks and remember exactly what it is you're doing. Whereas if you're just doing a short mission, a short episode that's maybe two hours or an hour long, it certainly is more consumable uh, from a casual player's perspective. To get back to the Jack series, I think the final thing that really tied everything together was not only did it have great pacing, a great set of gameplay mechanics that were both unique but also trendy and timely, but it also provided you with the idea and the sensation of both growth and exploration. As you went through the game, not only were you unlocking abilities, which is something that, one, you didn't have to pay for them; they weren't loot boxes. You didn't have to get micromanage, have all of these micro transactions. Instead, you just got to unlock different experiences, and you got to change up your gameplay style. You'd get different weapons. You could upgrade those weapons, get different abilities with your Dark Eco, in later games at least. Um, There were different um, vehicles that you could try. And then they even introduced um, hoverboards, which were a cool mechanic for getting around and allowed you to to get to certain hidden areas that were not uh, immediately accessible or visible. And then, Because of the the whole precursor backstory, it allowed them to, again, without breaking the, the realism of the world, introduce these kind of ruins in hidden areas from time to time, and areas that were just off the beaten path that provided both contrast from the sort of dystopic urban uh, city and underground of the ghetto that um, a lot of the game focused around, and instead provided a sort of lush, hidden ruin, and, or fallen, dilapidated, ancient secrets and artifacts. and It was a great little, I guess, break from the, the kind of gloom and doom of the dystopia. The game offered variety, creativity, but found a way to somehow mesh it together in a believable fashion. They are some of my favorite games, and I'd highly recommend them if you've never tried them download a copy on either Playstation 4 or 5 I'm sure they're available there I think they're on their online streaming service or just go out and pick up an old Playstation 2 and get a copy of the, the games because they are definitely games you gotta play at least once. anyways thanks everyone hope you enjoyed this discussion and take care Have a good one.